Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. I want to just jump in in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 10. If you're there, shout yes. yes. If you love God, say right on. Right on. Genesis 28 verse 10, talking about Jacob. And it says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth with its top reaching to the heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Verse 16. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Verse 20, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Now jump over to the book of Ephesians, our main text, Ephesians chapter four and verse 17. You're sitting next to somebody good looking today? Verse 17, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of Him and were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, so over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at different aspects of this passage. On our first week, we looked at the first three verses, or verse 17, 18, and 19, where we talked about how the Bible says that people are separated from the life of God, this life that God has for us. Jesus came to give us life. Jesus died to purchase life. He has a life that He wants everybody to live and that life is filled with awe, thanksgiving, celebration, appreciation, wonder. God wants us to live a life that is full of wonder. And the Bible is saying that there are a bunch of people who are separated from access to this life that you're stoked to be living, glad to be who you are, accepting of the place that you're at. 
And the reason why the Bible says is because of the hardening of their hearts. And we talked about the fact that to be hardened means to be calloused. And we talked about in the middle of this how a heart gets calloused. And we spoke of the spiral of unwonder. Let me just put it up here in the corner for you. I'm going to try and do it nice and small. The spiral of unwonder begins in indifference. Indifference, just ho-hum blase. We cannot, because of the need for wonder, you and I were designed for wonder. That's, that's a, a necessity of the human heart. Wonder and worship or a part of our human existence. You can't survive without it. So if you are just living a ho-hum life, if there is no wonder in your life, then the next thing that we start doing is we begin to be filled with fantasy. Now, I'm not just here talking about the weird and the wonderful and the lewd. I'm talking here about the desire to be somewhere else, do something else, get that next purchase, buy the new thing. We start to dream about other things. And then the result of fantasy is that the more real, the unreal becomes in our lives, then the more we withdraw from the life that we are now living, from our relationships, from our current environments, and we get stuck in the spiral of unwonder. Last week, we talked about verse 20, about how having lost all sensitivity, they gave themselves over to sensuality and how we end up indulging in a whole lot of impurity with a continual lust for more. This week, I wanna talk to you, and I'm so excited as we bring this series to a close. I wanna talk to you today about how to find the spiral of wonder. What's awesome about this passage is it literally breaks down the spiral of wonder for us. It says in verse 21, sorry, in verse 20, it says, however, you did not come to know Christ that way by living this life of sensuality, by, by looking for more all of the time. That's not the life God has for you. When you feel constantly empty, searching for more, you did not come to know Christ that way. In other words, the writer is saying, God's got more for us, guys. God's got a better life for us than that. He is a life of wonder. And by the way, I wanna just pick this up later on in the talk, but let me just throw this out there for free right now. You can write it down. Is that wonder is like manna. Wonder is like manna. Wonder not used today expires today. So the life God has for us is not a, I will get there one day. You're either in it or you're not in it. You've either got wonder or you don't, and you can drift in and out of it, choose to have, live with it or choose to live without it. But God wants you and I to discover the life that He has for us and to live in the life that He has for us. In verse 21, the text says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. In other words, there is a facet of us that needs to change if we are going to live with the life of God. And it's important to note that wonder is not circumstantial either. Wonder is manner and wonder is not circumstantial. You don't get an optimal environment for it. The Bible says that if you and I want to have wonder, if we wanna be happy, if we wanna enjoy this life, if we wanna live with a sense of awe, 
and thanksgiving about the life that we are living. It says the first thing that we've got to do is every day we've got to put off the old self. Now, for those of you who might be new to uh, church and this whole church speak, the Bible talks a lot about an old self and a new self. It talks about uh, basically a life that we come into this world living and about how when we receive Jesus, Jesus called it being born again. When you find Jesus, you get a new life, a brand new start. Your old record is not counted against you. And this is what happens when someone chooses to open up their life to the wonder and reality of God. When God comes to a person's life, that person becomes alive in a new sense, a new sense. We're talking here about our lives and our hearts and the fact that something is always gonna be seated on the central place of our lives. And when somebody chooses to put Jesus at the center, we take the throne of our hearts and we take ourselves off and we put God on. And in that moment of exchange where we recognize God, when we surrender to Him, that is the moment of encounter, encounter. This is what I've been describing when I talked about in the opening week about when I found Jesus at the age of 18. I reckon a lot of people here in this talk today have got their own story of when we discover Jesus. When you discover Him and your life comes alive. I woke up the next day, I told you this, and it was like the grass was greener. Like the birds were singing their song, but I could hear it more clearly. Like I had a, a sense of contentment in my heart that I'd longed for my whole life, a feeling of peace with myself and with the world that was around me. And in this we discover the first step on the spiral of unwonder, oh sorry, of wonder, and the first step in the spiral of wonder is encounter. Encounter. When a person discovers God, when a life comes alive to the awesomeness of what's around it. That's our first step on the journey of wonder in our lives. That's why I read out this passage of Scripture today about Jacob because the Bible talks about this guy and it tells us that Jacob was living his life. He's a church kid, basically, Jacob. Um, you know, he lives around church things, but his faith is not central in his life. And the Bible tells us that one night on an ordinary journey for Jacob, he has a dream in the middle of the night. He sees an angel ascend, sorry, he sees a stairway ascending to heaven and the angels are coming up and coming down on the stairway and he sees God at the top and the Bible says that he wakes up the next morning and rather than everything being ho-hum, rather than everything being bland, that, that callous has been removed from his heart. He can see life clearly. And I wanna put it to you, every person hearing this talk today, that there is nothing more important in any person's life than the living reality of God. There is no other way to see the world correctly than to have your eyes and your heart open to the wonder and the reality of God. If I could, if I could force feed it in to every person, Honestly, I would, would, I'd think about it anyway. God's kinder than me. But I just know that my friend, when you discover the reality of God, 
that will open us to see life different. Jacob wakes up and he's like, wow, not only is God awesome, this place is awesome. The first step to awesome is the discovery of God, to have an encounter. Jacob wakes up and he's like, man, this place is amazing. And friends, I believe that if we want to live our lives in wonder, then the first and most important thing that you and I can do is to continually fall in love again, encounter again the reality of God in our lives. See, the problem is life can trap us into lots of activity that drain our God awareness and feed our circumstantial awareness. We can get caught up in a whole lot of pressures and forget the truly significant in the middle of everything that is going on. And in this passage, the Bible's saying, man, if you want wonder in your life, then start your journey towards wonder by putting on the new self. Put, oh sorry, take off your old self. If you want the journey of wonder in your life, then start by taking off the old self. Have a fresh moment of encounter with God. Um, the, Billy Graham, who would have to be the most significant Christian leader of the 20th century, perhaps of our gener- entire generation, was one day interviewed on television. And Billy Graham was asked a question, you know, the, the reporter was talking to him about, you know, a whole lot of different, you know, moral kind of issues. And in the middle of the talk, uh, the reporter asked Billy Graham, what do you think about divorce? And Billy Graham said, divorce is wrong. Now, the reporter immediately is like, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? And we're going to talk about this a little bit further in this message today, but we live in a world where everybody is saying, you should do what is good for you. Now, the thing about God is it's not like God is saying, do what is bad for you. That's not what it is. God is saying there is a different, when you are connected with God, there is a different set of options available. And so Billy Graham so poetically describes the options available to us when we've let God take the central place in our lives, when he responds to that by saying, well, if if I wake up in the morning, the reporter is like, you mean to tell me if you wake up in the morning and you're out of love with your wife, that it's God's will that you spend the rest of your life in a loveless marriage? Are you telling me that's what God wants for us? You know, and Billy Graham says, if I wake up in the morning and I'm out of love with my wife, I'm gonna get out of bed only to fall on my knees. And I'm not gonna get up until I am in love with her. See, guys, guys, if you could catch today the significance of what Billy Graham is pointing us towards, he is saying, we don't have to live with the old self. You can put it off. You can encounter God any moment you choose to, any circumstance that comes your way. We make a choice to either presence God in the middle of our lives or to let Him escape to the peripheries. And Billy Graham is saying, I am not gonna go that way. Our cultural norm has become to follow your passions, respond to your urges, give in to what you want. And and stark contrast to that is definitely the Christian message. And, and, And at the same time, the Christian message is not one that God wants you and I to have a ho-hum, bland life. 
But we do know that not all that glitters is gold, right? We do know that people can follow what they think is going to be the new option and find that it is less satisfying. We know that the grass does appear greener on the other side, but it is not always the truth. And the Christian message is that when we discover God, it doesn't matter the circumstance, it doesn't matter the environment. When you live your life in connection with God, you see Him, you wake up and you get an encounter, not only with Him, but with the wonder that is present and available in whatever situation you find yourself in right now. That is what the Bible is teaching us. It says, seek God with all your heart, turn to Him with all you are. And we find in seeking Him, the wonder that we felt was missing. That's amazing, isn't it? You can find life to be splendid, circumstances to be magnificent. You can find uh, an environment that is worthy of awe and wonder. That's why I love Jacob because he's like, this place is just flat out awesome. And the reason why he felt like that was it had it was the same stone as a pillow. Like that's not exactly a five-star bed right here. Anybody wanting a bed upgrade? Think about Jacob. You know, he's not he's not saying I've changed neighborhood. I woke up in Bel Air and I went to sleep in Compton. He's he's not saying it's a change of location that made the difference. He's saying God is in this place. God is in my life. God is in my neighbourhood. God is in my workplace. Listen, God is in my storm. God is in my trial. God is in this marriage. God is in this life. And if I can find Him, then I can be awakened to all of the wonder that I need. Amen. There's got to be a better way than everybody just trying to get out of what they're in. There's got to be a better way. And God points us to the pathway of wonder when he says, you need an encounter, my friend. You need an encounter. You do not need a change of situation. You need me in the middle of what you're going through. Anybody receiving that today? Okay, number two, it talks about in verse 23, it says that we need to be made new in the attitude of our minds. And the second stage in the spiral of wonder is that when you come alive, I'm going to misspell this, but just stay with me. Every English teacher, just just stay with me. I'm pretty sure there's one more T in there somewhere, but just stay with me, please. I got 48% for school C English, but when I said it in 1988, you could get a B2 from 46 to 54%, and that was a pass. So praise God. He made a way even when there was no way for this little flunky to keep moving forward. Encounter, encounter goes, and when you have an encounter, you are then awakened to gratitude. It's impossible to see something that you've perhaps always seen with fresh eyes without becoming increasingly grateful for it. And the Bible is saying, man, if you and I are going to have a life that we love, then the second thing we have to do is be made new in the attitude of our minds. See, the problem with unwonder is that it pollutes the attitude of our minds. We stop being grateful for things. If there is a massive pandemic in our Western culture, it is that people are not appreciative anymore. 
And if there is one thing that God will not allow us to move past, it is the need for a grateful heart. When you have an encounter, it opens your eyes to what is around you. And then out of that, you're like, you become increasingly thankful for what God has given. Encounter discovers God, come alive. Then we suddenly say, man, God has given me so much. Jacob is like, I can't believe it. He literally took that stone that it has as a pillow. I mean, I, you know, I'm just putting context. I've never slept on a stone as a pillow, but if I did, I'd be struggling to be grateful for it. Anybody with me? Yet the Bible tells us Jacob took the stone, put it on a pillow, and he poured oil over it. That's, that's saying thank you in his culture. He's saying thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Can I challenge you to start not with a problem, not with ingratitude, but to start with thanksgiving, to change it all around and to flip it on its head? And let's say, let's not be deserving moaners or victims, but let's be undeserving gratitude givers. Let's be people who are thankful for everything that we've got. Oh man, if there is a, just, a, just something that is gonna just really be the death of us as a culture, it is gonna be a lack of gratitude. For many, many years, uh, I used to travel with um, a, a suitcase. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, a, a rectangular one. I'm talking about the ones that you used to put suits in. Do you know? And you, you'd fold, you'd like, like garment bag. You'd fold it in half and zip it up, you know. And uh, I traveled this everywhere. I used to use it as my main suitcase. And it was, it was absolutely disgusting. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> It was old, it was green, had a little bit of brown leather. The brown leather was all faded, it had two handles. One of the handles was broken. You know, I used to fly around, you know, people pick me up from the airport all the time. I'd, I'd do a lot of traveling and speaking and people pick me up from the airport and I'd have this old, horrible, green, you know, garment bag suitcase and all my stuff would be rammed into it and people kind of look at you like, this, this preacher's really poor, you know, it's like, <laughs> Like even the Salvation Army might go, no, we're not even gonna take that one. Like it was, it was absolutely horrible. And, and I used to watch their faces. They'd pick me up from the airport and they'd be like, you know, oh, I can't believe you're traveling with a bag like that. And, and the thing is that what people didn't know was the story behind the bag. They didn't know the story behind the bag. See, when you looked at it, you thought that is a horrible, disgusting old bag. What they didn't know was that a friend of mine, uh, after I supported him through a really tough season in his life, gave me that bag. Why would you give somebody that bag? Well, he gave me the bag because somebody had given it to him. And the person who gave it to him was given it by another person. And no one of the age of 40 is going to know this person's name, but the guy's name is Keith Green. So if you're my age, you would understand that Keith Green is one of the most significant Christian musicians and songwriters to ever live in modern history. And Keith Green gave it to a friend who gave it to a friend who gave it to me because he said, John, I feel like something of that spirit lies in you. Now, what I've just done in your mind is I've taken an old green suitcase that has had no worth at all, and I've just attributed a whole lot of value to it 
because I made it no longer an old doggy position that no one would want. I made it a gift and the gift had a giver. Anyone understand? Now, when you take that concept and you extend it out to all of life, when you start to say, my friend, there are no old green suitcases. There are only gifts and every gift has a giver. When you extend that out, then you become a genuine believer in Jesus. Someone who recognizes that everything you have is a gift from God. See, where our Christian journey begins with is not with rights. Our our culture is obsessed with rights. The reason why nobody has gratitude is because we are all addicted to a feeling of rights. I deserve more. We deserve more. Treat me better. But the Christian life, as much as I believe, by the way, by the way, the Bible is overwhelming. You should look after the poor, care for the widow, do not neglect the orphan, look after the most vulnerable people, and if you don't, God will judge you, right? That's that's the Bible. But let's start with you and me, right? With the vast majority of the people hearing this. You are not an awesome somebody deserving of awesome blessings. Let me just break it down for you. You're a horrible, rotten, filthy, selfish (laughs) sinner. That's what you are. You are selfish. You are fundamentally flawed. Put into a corner, nearly every person on the planet would do what was best for them at the expense of others. And everybody at one moment in their life has done that. Because of our own sin and folly, we are not deserving of blessings. We are deserving of eternal damnation. Yet a loving God, right, stepped in, sent his son to die on a cross for my sin and for your sin. And then that God says that if you will call upon me, I will save you. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is death. But, somebody help, but. But. The gift of God is eternal life. Man. Now I start to realize that in spite of how little rights I have, God in His love and His grace gave me more than I could ever wish for, more than I deserve. He has heaped blessing on me. God says, in spite of your shortcomings, you can come before me boldly. Despite your own selfishness, I will give to you the greatest demonstration of selfless love in the death of Jesus on the cross. And that God opens up the doorway to you and me to connect in relationship with Him. So what should our response be to that God? Gratitude. Gratitude. Thankful that we have breath. Thankful that we've got food on our table. Thankful that we're allowed to live. When you feel the warmth of the sunrise, when you feel it touch your body, realize that it's more than just the physical warmth. That emotional warmth is because God is in everything that He made and He allows you and I to experience that emotion of joy and thanksgiving 
And even when we're mourning, He gives us the oil of joy. And in our worst moments, He is there for us. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He is with us. And in this discovery, we are awakened to my heart condition should be to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I realize you are real and I'm so grateful for all that you have given me. One of my favorite verses in the scripture, I'm going to read it from the New King James Bible, James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Beautiful, isn't it? In other words, if you've got anything good going on in your life, it's because God's going on in your life. And so no matter what good thing happens to me, I'm going to thank God. And that, my friend, is now sending me on a journey. Jacob is like, oh my gosh, God is real. There is enough wonder in this place to fill a lifetime. Oh my gosh, how awesome is this place? Gratitude. When God comes back central in your life, my friend, the first thing that comes alive is you discover everything that is around you like it's just been given to you. Isn't it amazing how you got given it yesterday and it thought it was going to be the answer to all of your problems and next month you're waiting for the new model to come out. Anyone know what I'm talking about? But with Jesus, it doesn't work like that. You get Him. He is the wonder afresh every day. And the more I discover Him, the more I'm like, oh, wow, I am now grateful. I'm grateful for everything that is in my life. I can't believe it. I got a bed to sleep in. I got some food to eat. I've got shoes. I've got life. I'm so thankful, thankful, thankful. I'm, I don't need a different wife. I've got the best one right now. My husband, he's awesome. Thank you, God. My children, you know, they might be whatever, but they're actually just a great blessing from God. And man, the greatest thing that you and I can ever do is to increase the level of our gratitude. It stems from an encounter. My friend, learn from Billy Graham. If you're not grateful for what you've got, get on your knees until you are. Come on, somebody. And then out of gratitude, the next thing that's gonna happen to any person is found in verse 24, where it says, put on the new self, created to be like God. Take off the old self, have an encounter, be made new in the attitude of your minds. That's gratitude. And then thirdly, put on the new self. And this is about a decision or this is about commitment. Commitment. Yes, I did say commitment. If there is one thing lacking for a life of wonder in our culture, it is an understanding of the liberating power of commitments of making a decision and sticking with that decision. Jacob is like, how awesome is this place? Uh, this place is amazing. And then he said, and God will be my God. I am going to be committed to this God. I am gonna be committed to this life. I'm gonna be committed to this environment. I'm so grateful that when Jillian and I got married 20 years ago, we said for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, you know, in sickness and in health. 
Uh, I want to throw in jokes, but I'm not going to. They're all in my head, but I resist the urge. But you know what? That, that decision to be committed is something that is so crucial. If there is a problem with the spiral of unwonder, it's this, withdrawal. The problem with withdrawal is that withdrawal just leads to, to increased levels of indifference and indifference to increased levels of fantasy. This is perhaps the greatest challenge for our young generation today is that we live our lives. Have you ever been in, you can be in a party, you can be in a party, all, all sorts of awesome people who could be your friends, be in a foyer, be in a group, be in a car, but are we committed to the people that are there? No, 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 we're, we're Snapchatting and Instagramming and Facebooking and I'm not throwing social media under the bus, I would, happily would, but what I am saying, <laughs> what I am saying is that it's easy to not be where you are. Um, if, if commitment has another phrase, be all there. You want wonder in your life? Then man, you've got to be somewhere until you get God. The second thing that will grow in your life is gratitude. But then the third thing is wherever you are, be all there. Be all there. We talked, about, we talked about the spiral of unwonder and we talked about how it's typified by if only. If only I had this car. If only I had this thing. Well, wonder, wonder, the spiral of wonder is not about if only, it's about this only. Man, when you decide, I'm not actually looking for an upgrade. I'm not looking for a new model. I'm not actually searching for a better place that I could live or a new place that I could be. Sure, life's gonna throw me some experiences and things are gonna come my way, but I am certainly not gonna live my life in the trap of being half in every friendship, half in every job, half in every environment. I am here right now, and while I am here, I am all here. This only. This only marriage, this only life, this only neighborhood. It's, it's a decision to be in what you are in, my friends, that unlocks wonder for us. Because I found, and I know many people have found this to be true, that when you shut every other door other than commitment, I'm telling you what happens then. When you shut every other door and you stop letting the, the circle of uh, a spiral of in, unwonder get in, when you won't go here on the fan, fantasy, when indifference is shut out of the equation, you start realizing more and more and more how awesome the life is that you have, the environment that surrounds you, the friends God already blessed you with, the, the person you're already with, the job you've already got, and my friends of people could just be committed to what they have, I'm telling you, our world would get a whole lot better for it. And I believe that God is not wanting you and I to be stuck with unwonder. I believe God's got a life for every single one of us that is filled with wonder, where we love the life that we're living and we're grateful for the God who gave us this life. Does anybody believe that today? Come on, let's give God some praise together this morning. Give God some praise together this morning. You know, I can think of a thousand moments, even in my own journey, where I wish that I 
have been more true to the circle of wonder. I truly can. It is just so easy to get trapped up in a lot of things that prevent you and I from being all in on what we're in. And with it, manna is like, wonder is like manna. If you don't use it, you lose it. There is only sufficient manna for today and it cannot be stored and it cannot be saved. Uh, A few weeks ago, my kids had their school production and I, I, uh, I took the kids down to the production with a few friends that live around our neighborhood that will also go to the same school. And so we piled all these kids in there and we took them down to the production. And I sat there for like an hour and a half before it started because I, I was the one designated to go early. The, the production starts, you know, and for two hours, you've got kids jumping around on stage and, and that was just fantastic. And then at the end of the night, I dropped all the kids home to their houses. I arrived back at my house, opened the door. You know, Jillian had just made fresh Afghans. Everybody sat around the kitchen table, grandma had flowing down. Everybody had a glass of milk. I, I mean, I know I preached to you about food, but I'm not gonna lie to you, I had two Afghans. <laughs> it was fake food and I enjoyed every mouthful. <laughs> kids went off to bed. And I just, I found myself like I could hear the kids in their bedrooms and I could see Jillian and her mum chatting at the breakfast bar. And I just started crying. I just thought, this is literally as good as life gets. And I don't know, maybe you're in a season where it feels like that today. Maybe it's not. But I want you to know that in that moment, I had a mountain of pressures, a mountain of pressures and circumstances and things that were pulling me left and right. But for one moment, and I've failed a thousand, thousand times, for one moment, I was all there. This only, not if only, committed to the environment, not distracted with all of this. And I found wonder. And I believe that for every person here in this talk today, God's got wonder for you. Isaiah 55, let me say it again. Don't spend your money on what does not satisfy. All who are thirsty, come, come to the waters. Come to Jesus. And He will give you drink. And your soul will delight as in the richest affair. Mouth by mouth. Sit by sit. A life connected with God is, regardless of circumstance, a life that is filled with wonder. Let's pray together today, shall we? Father, I just want to thank you that you've got wonder for us, that you love every person. Holy Spirit, as we bring this series to a close, I just pray, God, that you would amplify your word in our hearts. Breathe life to every person. Somebody here in this talk today 
And whether it's a marriage situation or whether it's some other kind of crisis thing, that Billy Graham story was the right thing they needed to hear. They gotta, they gotta leave this auditorium only to get alone with God and not get up until they have got you. Grant us a fresh encounter. As David prayed, when he erred from grace, restore to me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. And I pray a fresh discovery of Jesus for every person hearing this message today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, church, let's put our hands together. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.